When Matt came here, it was under unusual circumstances. When Matt resigned, it was under unusual circumstances. And so when he came to me last Sunday with the decision that he did want to be ordained by our church before he left, I thought, well, how would ordination be any different? Um, within Matt's ministry here, hopefully we have learned that God can work in ways that we never thought possible. Just when we think we understand, God shows us something new. Let's be clear that when, when Matt came, one of his goals was to be ordained. Um, but after confirming with Walter, he and I talked with Matt about it. Ordination in the position here would have affected him adversely a little bit financially. And to be a good steward of the money that God was giving him, Matt chose to hold off on the ordination in order to do what God had called him to do. It didn't affect anything that he did here. Because he could still do all the things that God was having him to do without the ordination. But he knew that when he wanted to be ordained, he just had to say the word. And we were ready to do that because we had watched uh, who he was and saw his character. And so I fully encouraged him to do it. I'll be honest. You know, I told him, he said, well, what would you do? I said, I would build it. I said, the minute you become ordained, some tax things change. And it's harder at that point. And so if I were you... You know, whenever, whenever you get ready to let me know, and his concern literally was the first. He said, well, he said, but our church is going to take me seriously. He's like, I was like, dude, don't worry about that right now. Worry about that when it's time to go. I didn't expect it to be the last minute, but okay. You know, we, we still do it, and we're still joyfully doing that this morning. And, and so it did make this sermon a little more difficult. Um, usually an ordination sermon is done at the beginning of a tenure or in the middle of a tenure. I've... Never had one uh, at the last. A little bit more difficult. But as I thought and I prayed over the message from Matt this morning, and I'm going to look at Matt a lot because this is a gospel charge. So um, I was led to Acts chapter 20. Here Paul is under arrest. He's headed to Jerusalem. He knows that his life is almost over. And he knows he will never see the Ephesian elders again. Uh, somebody has to pick up the mantle. And in this passage, Paul gives instructions to these leaders that I think are applicable today. And all these, all of these words are a charge to Matt and his ordination. Many of these things are applicable to you and your own personal ministries. And, and I hope they give you some insight into my thoughts and my heart as a pastor here. Uh, there in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 25, Paul says, And now I know that none of you will ever see my face again. Everyone I went about preaching the kingdom to. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of everyone's blood, for I did not shrink back from declaring the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the plot that the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I did not stop warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit to you, commit you to God and to the message of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not covered anyone's silver or gold, coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who are with me. 
In every way I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And after he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they escorted him to the ship. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people say. Studied all week long, and I just now saw the whole three-year remark, right? How long have you been here, Matt? Three years. As I read this passage, and I looked at what Paul was saying to the Ephesian elders, there is so much here that we need to know in the ministry. And the very first one is always preach the whole counsel of God. It's easy in this world to leave out the hard parts. For years, churches have tried to lure people in by not touching the hard stuff. Don't say hard things. Don't look like a church. Don't say that there are things that we can't do. Don't be negative. Only say what's positive will make people feel good. But that's not the whole counsel of God. Sometimes things are bad and sometimes you don't feel like praising. Sometimes positivity seems far away. And we see all of that in Scripture. And your job as a minister of the Gospel is to demonstrate how you can feel that way and still honor don't water down the gospel to make it palatable to the world. Because even here, Paul starts by saying, what? I'm never going to see you again. We have Facebook, so that's probably not true for us. But Paul knew he was never going to see these people again. You will never again see my face. They may receive letters. They may hear from him. But they were never going to see him again. This was the last time he ever had them in one place to say these things. And he knew it was hard. You can't be afraid to preach the hard stuff. Sin is still sin. Life is sometimes hard, but God is still God. Love overcomes a multitude of sins, and His grace is sufficient even in the hard times. Preach the whole counsel of God. But the other thing he says, and I think he spends most time on, is shepherd the flock God entrusted. That may be a youth group. That may be a church. That may be some other ministry that God puts you in. But He will entrust a flock to you. And He says to shepherd the flock, be on guard, the wolves are coming. It was true then. It's true now. The world we live in will try to chew up and spit out every sheep that God places in your care. That's what the world's going to do. Stand firm. Guard from false doctrine. The most dangerous doctrines are the ones that have a bit of truth mixed with a whole bunch of feeling. Just a bit of truth. It sounds good, and it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings, but sometimes the gospel hurts feelings. Sometimes the gospel offends because the gospel is supposed to offend. Guard from dissension within. We talked about that this morning. Back here, conflict is going to arise. There's going to be conflict. Don't squash it. Deal with it. Work through it. Spend time in prayer. Do the things you need to do. Guard from the enemy dragging the sheep away. <laughs> Often doing these things means you don't get to do what you want to do. Often 
It means you make the choice that keeps people healthy rather than making people happy. They always say, uh, try to make the decision that makes the most people happy. But there are times when you can't make anybody happy. Your job as a shepherd is to make sure they're healthy. And often this means that you make one more repeat journey around the mountain before moving forward. You know, in Exodus, the Israelites spent 40 years traveling around the mountain. Traveling around the mountain one more time until that whole generation died off. Sometimes that means you're going to travel one more time around the mountain. You have to remember that shepherding is a long game. It's not a quick job. You take small steps for the vision ahead. The shepherd doesn't run way ahead of the sheep. He doesn't say, you need to catch up to me. The shepherd moves at the pit pace that the sheep will move. He takes them where they need to go. And sometimes that is a lot slower than you want it to be. Sometimes you will bang your head against the wall thinking, this is never going to happen. But you have to slow down and say, okay, God, show me the way. But most importantly for shepherds, remember that the shepherds in the Bible didn't work alone. When you look over at the, the story of Christ's birth, the angel didn't show up to a shepherd in the field. He showed up to shepherds in the field. Shepherds worked together. They worked in groups to care for the sheep, each other's sheep. Surround yourself with others to help you do the work. Don't do it alone. But remember that the sheep are God's and not yours. You've been entrusted with the lives of those who were dear to God. Remember that in all you do. People are going to say things that, that hurt your feelings. They're going to say things that get on your nerves. I had a pastor who once said to me, sheep bite. That, that's just it. And sometimes it hurts. But you have to remember that those sheep are yours. They are entrusted to you. And you are entrusted to people who are dear to God. So no matter how frustrated you get, no matter how upset you are, you have to remember that this person who has done this or said this is someone that God loves. It doesn't matter where they are. You have to love all of them anyway. We don't take ownership. We take responsibility. And the difference is great. He goes on to say, Basically, do not let material wealth derail your commitment to the gospel. An uncomfortable truth that people in ministry don't talk about is that it is very hard to put your faith in others for your support. And it's very hard to know that because you become, you become afraid. It's easy to be fearful. It's easy to say, I don't know where this is going to come from. I, I don't know how this is going to work. It's a hard thing to do. Don't let that type of fear derail you from your commitment to God. It's easy to fall into the trap of needing more. I was. My greatest failure in ranking while I was there was I always needed more. I worked two full-time jobs in Rankin. The last year I was there, there was one day of the school year that I did not sub. <laughs> one day. 
that was the last day of school. I slept the first day of school and I slept the second to last. And I would do my church work when I got home. Do not allow the need for more to derail your commitment to ministry and to derail your time with your family. Paul was so set on keeping that out of his, this equation for him that he wouldn't even take money, but he told churches to, that the worker was worth his wages. So don't let the level of money or material things lead you to a place that God doesn't want you to be. It's very easy to look at a number and say, this is my bottom line, but sometimes God is greater. Sometimes God does more. I've told you the story before, I've told the church the story before, that when I had that second meeting with the committee in, in Abilene at the steakhouse, they passed over the, they passed that, that, that salary to me, and I went, huh, okay, thank you, and I was nice, and I said, nice to meet you. And I got in the car and told Carrie, we're done, it's over. Because that number wasn't what I thought it needed to be. But God had other plans. Don't let money be your deciding factor. The world calls you to want more, but God says all those treasures are going to pass away. I think the most important thing we see here is that everything should begin and end with prayer. To do things without prayer is to set yourself up for failure. Paul charged these leaders and then he knelt and prayed with them. So right now, Matt, I'm asking you to come up here and take a seat in this chair. Micah, so that I pay attention. I'm going to ask all my ordained men in the congregation to come down. Place your hands upon Matt. And we're going to pray over him as we set him apart for the gospel ministry in this moment. Just as Paul and the Ephesian elders pray, we're going to pray and set you apart for the work that God has entrusted you to. Give him 
smooth sailing, that you would bless him, not just financially, Father, but spiritually, that you would just make his household overflow. Father, we ask right now that you would just bring him to a place of service, whether that is full-time vocational, vocational ministry, whether it is part-time, Father, whether it's doing something else that you called him to, Father, we know that you are going to use him. We just pray that you are just open his eyes to the place you have for him. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for that. Father, the love and friendship that we've had as we come together. Father, that it's not a closing of the book, but it's another chapter that will be open in his life. Thank you for him and his love that he's had for you and the gospel and for the youth that have shared it with him. You know, just continue to bless him. Father, we thank you for, uh, for Matt, for his 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 heart, Lord, that uh, you poured out on the people here in this community. Father, we just thank you for the blessing and thank you as he steps out now. We ask that you will bless his steps forward, that you will guide him, Father. Bless, bless his path as he goes now. Promote and uh, uh, further your kingdom through his good. Father, we rejoice that day to be recognized as a call upon you in Valor's life and his family. And Father, we just ask that you would bless him each and every step that he takes. Thank you for allowing him to serve here. We pray for his service and he continues to work in this. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. five things that you need to do. Number one is love people. Number two, love God more. Number three, know for sure that God has called you into ministry. And I'll read that note. It says, if you don't know this, you'll be tempted to quit every Monday morning. <laughs> there are easier and more lucrative ways of making a living. If you can do one of them, be content and do it. Number four, pick your fights in church. If it's a scriptural matter of great importance, it's a battle worth fighting. If it's just a personal preference, let it go. And five, do the right thing because it's the right thing. You're going back to work. Um, so, <laughs> Matt is leading us in our uh, invitational song. I know this has all been about Matt, but one of Matt's legacies here is the love of Jesus. And we want to take a moment to let you come and make any decision you may have. Maybe you have been struggling for a while with this idea of knowing Jesus. You've known of Him. You've heard of Him. But you've never known it. And maybe the sermon that you heard before me this morning about the four signs, because that was better than I just preached. Um, maybe that sermon that you heard from her Maybe it got to you. Maybe you realize, you know what? That division symbol has been in the way and I need the cross. If you need the cross this morning, come down the aisle. Come to know Jesus. Say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus and so we'll go from there. 
Maybe this morning you have something to do. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. If you know Jesus and you've been a part of their church or you know Jesus and, and, and you were baptized and you want to be a member here, come down and, and let's talk about that. Let's, let's bring you in here and, and plug you in somewhere. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessing.